Transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Night has fallen on the desert. You know when you're reading a historical account and the writer says something like, because they did not know any better. The people believed this or that horrible disaster was a sign. And you think, well, of course it was a sign. The greater meaning may or may not elude you, but of course it means something when one-third or one-half or more of the population is wiped out in a few years. As with the Black Death of 13 and 46 to 13 and 53... The plague had been dormant in the Gobi Desert, probably, for centuries, the desert wilds of today's Mongolia. The northern parts look a lot like the Great Basin. So maybe the plague first traveled east on the Silk Road, which runs through the middle of the Gobi. Probably in the early 14th century, probably in the 1320s, something or someone kicked it up from the dry ground and it hitched a slow overland ride to China, where about half the population of Kublai Khan's dynasty perished from that awful disease before anybody in Europe or the Mediterranean got the bad news. Maybe. It's hard to say what took the Mongolian Empire's population from about 130 million to about 60 million over those handful of years. As in Europe, a combination of climate disasters and famine, malnutrition, livestock disease, and it already weakened the populations. Maybe it really was a Mongolian army lobbing plague victim corpses by catapult into the port city of Kaffa on the Black Sea in today's Ukraine. Maybe that's what did it back in 13 and 47. Either way, ships full of dead and infected sailors along with rats and fleas that lived within every ship arrived in Genoa, and by the next year, the Black Death was sweeping across Europe, the Middle East, North Africa, all the way to Iceland. Had the Greenland colony survived, it may have torn through North and South America back then, too. 
Uh, the Vikings had quit Greenland by then due to the same bad conditions that were making life hard everywhere in the northern hemisphere. The weather changed. Too cold in that case. And it was harder to grow food. Anyway, one thing we share with Western Europe of the 1300s is that astrology is everywhere of great importance around the world. Reversed, though, from its position in the late Middle Ages. When the plague arrived in Western Europe, it was the astrologers of the great universities and religious institutions and medical schools who announced the likely reason for the Black Death, which they got from the more advanced Arab astronomers and astrologers, through which it passed to Jewish astrologers in Western Europe and then to the royal courts to explain the calamity. It was all because of the great conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn in 13 and 45. And who knows, maybe the bubonic plague burst out of the parched soil on that very day. March 21, 13 and 45. When Jupiter and Saturn met so heavy in the evening sky. The plague was raging somewhere by then. Maybe just in the fleas and the beast of burden on the pack trains on the old Silk Road. Back then it was the common people who had trouble dealing with astrology being a fairly exact science, even if the conclusions seem unscientific today. It was easier to blame God and the devil, the two forces always at work. It did not help that God and his especially corrupt religion of the 14th century punished nearly every human behavior as mortal sin. Work, sex, love, joy, ambition, success, failure, disease, commerce, music... From the way you wore your hair to whether you enjoyed a particular food or drink. Of course, people live their lives, like always, because with an impossible religion that's based on everything human being evil, well, everybody winds up ignoring 99% of it. Even if they enjoy the religious festivals every couple of weeks all year round, which is how it used to be. Let's have those again. If we are going to still have religion... If you had done or even thought about doing anything in your life at any time, then there was a sin to match it. So that's why your children and spouse expired in a painful explosion of black boils in a few days' time, and then it came for you. The hooded figure at the door. Sometimes a plague doctor, sometimes a nun... And sometimes the grinning skull of the Grim Reaper. At least that harvest was doing fine.
the longer we survive and the more information we collect as a species, the more we realize that everything's a sign. The Mongol Empire could not support 130 million people in the early 14th century. The one way to process that conclusion made by non-human forces of nature is to watch 70 million of those people die from famine and disease over the course of a decade or so. We have something called hantavirus in the Americas carried by our cute little desert rodents and their droppings. There's no cure for either the pulmonary or the hemorrhaging and fever version, and since the 1990s it has killed 36% of the infected in the United States. Less than a thousand cases during that time. But it's easy to see how something like that could very quickly get out of hand. The good news is that human-to-human transmission has been unknown in North America, at least modern North America. But in 2019, South America had human-to-human transmission. Something is always going to kill off some of us. Sometimes we do it ourselves, like right now. Like many species, we instinctively know when conditions are getting worse and we simply stop reproducing. The way coyotes and wolves have smaller litters when the food supply is bad. Or, in the coyotes' case, larger replacement litters when the U.S. government's Wildlife Services Division murders an especially horrific number of coyotes and other wildlife in a single year, including endangered species. Your tax dollars at work. Thanks, USDA. Because I get the question a lot, I'll say I am optimistic about our species and the health of the world we live on as part of. Because in the long run, we're probably going to make it. Because as the humanoid equivalent of the coyote, we tend to not just survive, but to thrive sort of the root of our problem right now. It's a good problem to have, biologically speaking, in the long run. We are crafty as a species, and in various configurations, if rarely as individuals, And you know what? If it gets really bad, 
and we are the last ones to spend our lives ordering food from apartments and watching commercials on YouTube. Well, maybe that's not the very worst thing that ever happened to humanity. It's not like this is the first extinction crisis. Or the first period of violent climate change we've been through. Over our several hundred thousand years of existence in this form. In this form, just in better shape. Holistically in better shape. Just vibing on the grasslands and the plains, taking mushrooms and talking to the gods who walked amongst us in those days. Who possessed us. Or impregnated us when requested or not. Like in a voodoo ritual today. Sure, billions of years from now, all of this will be gone. But who cares, right? There's a lot of meantime. There may truly be some grand point to all of this. Wouldn't that be fun? Maybe this is the beginning of many generations of weird adventure, interesting times, like the birds. People always say go the way of the dinosaurs because until the late 1990s, it was believed by absolutely everyone except a few renegade paleontologists that dinosaurs had all gone extinct. Then, 25 years ago, newly discovered fossils in China showed that birds were the direct descendants of theropods. The dinosaurs who got away, all the crazy things birds came up with, like migrating back and forth across the world by flying, that's a pretty good innovation. Living their best lives. The birds made it. Be like the birds. produced a lot of phrases like that 
living their best life. I'm living my best life. Phrases that are at inception. These cruel, demonic reversals of the meaning we seek and what remains of our actual lives. Only in our present day, the time of the worst vibes in modern memory, When the New York Times slaps a five-item menu of mental health stories on the Sunday Digital Edition between the climate change disaster maps, the hurricane and wildfire maps, and the pandemic hotspot maps, only an era of widespread language failure would produce a phrase as poisonously banal as no bad vibes. The passive-aggressive Instagram lifestyle command that replaced the vapid but at least easygoing is all good. Nobody says it's all good now. Not even as a joke. Nobody would dare. You cannot be gleefully unstable or bursting with rage over something on the internet or yelling about celebrities and horse paste or threatening to raid the elementary school and zip-tie the teachers. In a world where it's all good is even an ironic possibility. There is basically nothing that qualifies as consensus good in the year of our annoyance, 20 and 21. Nothing. You can post, say, birds are interesting on a public computer network or in your group chat. Or maybe say it to somebody in front of you in a friendly way in the checkout line, the self-checkout line, and you will not get away with it. People will be on your ass so fast you'll have wished you'd never been born. The nerve of you coming in here with that tired garbage. Wake up, idiot. Joke's on you, clown. Joshua Tree's own Red, Blue, Black, Silver. So, we're done with It's All Good. We're done with the very 2017 Living Your Best Life. 
and I'm pretty sure they threw away the no bad vibes pillows around the pool at the Ace Hotel as part of coronavirus deep cleaning protocols that in no way prevent coronavirus. That's another one we put to rest. Wash your hands. Remember when all the hall monitors on Twitter put wash your hands into their bios on Twitter? Oh, do you not look at Twitter because you are living your best life? Well, good for you. I don't like it myself. A few minutes now and then to see what's going on, see if the wildfire smoke or the angry mob is headed my way. That's enough. Disaster will upset the big 911 celebration next weekend. There was a, a New York is back concert in Central Park a couple weeks ago when a previous hurricane hit Manhattan. And you know what? Barry Manilow had to run for his life. It was terrible. He was just a few lines into one of his feel-good hits from 50 years ago. They got him in the ambulance. Bette Midler washed out to Roosevelt Island, and Billy Joel had to be rescued from the bottom of a wine cellar. It was terrible. some mail here. I know sometimes it just feels good to tell somebody, get it off your chest, off your mind. But I can't read any of these. I'm sorry. And it's a big pile. It's been piling up all summer. I keep moving the difficult ones to another side of my desk. There are some good postcards here. Uh, I'm going to read some postcards next time. The letters are just pretty depressing. I don't have any answers. I'm sorry. I can't give you permission to follow your dreams or quit school or abandon your abusive roommate or whatever you're thinking about doing. Live your best life. No bad vibes, etc. Sometimes it just feels good to tell somebody, get it off your chest, off your mind, confess to somebody, I get it. But I'm not joining Therapy Nation Incorporated as a provider or as a customer. You know the kind of mail I like to see? I like to see the kind of postcard I get now and then from friends old and new who are saving the world in various and necessary ways. Like when my pal Zinko Jordan sends me a card from the monastery where he lives and works saying to drop by sometime and hang out in the mountains. I like to hear that. I like hearing from people such as Jason Katz in Florida who started the uh, Islandia Journal, a sort of Florida version of Desert Oracle. Or Annie up at Zizek's 
And now I know her name is actually Ann Initial E. And she says, come on by the Desert Education Center and take a look at old Dr. Curtis Springer's radio broadcast booth. That's when the mail feels like Christmas morning. We tend to think of ourselves, both individually and as a species, as being in a very fixed position. But it's just a moment. And we don't know where all this goes. We know our nature. We know what feels best. Our nature is to explore, to find new opportunity, make our own utopia, or at least give it an honest shot. Isaacs and across the Great Mojave Wilderness. This has been Desert Oracle Radio. We broadcast from our little outpost in the desert to radio stations near and far to Alaska, to Vermont, to Hawaii. I think we're on in Hawaii. We're on in Los Angeles on a station called Lookout FM. A freeform, very strange and interesting broadcast station. You can get on a couple frequencies. Look at lookoutfm.com. Have you been to the Pygmalion Festival in Urbana, Illinois? Well, if you're anywhere at all nearby... Come this year, they're having it. Safe and sane, you gotta be fully vaccinated 14 days prior. Coming up quick, the weekend of September 21 through 23. Desert Oracle will be live on stage Friday night, the 24th, on the 25 o'clock Brewing Company stage. at 8 p.m. Learn all about it at thisispygmalion.com. We also got a special show in Chicago on Sunday, September 26th at Illuminated Brew Works. They got a new tap room, the Illuminated Brew Works Lodge Number 1. We'll put all that out on the social media stuff, I believe. Well, maybe it's there right now. I don't know. I'm in the radio studio. I don't know what's happening out there. I'm just glad the power hasn't gone out this time. A happy September, I hope. Autumn is officially here. 
by one metric and it's coming soon by another. Thank you for listening, friends. Good night from the voice of the desert. <laughs>